Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of early Houston music scene. That's right, I'm looking at you, hands up. Houston design, gin, and traveling the world, sipping fine cocktails. Today's guest is the amazing Claire Sprouse. We had the opportunity to chat during Bar Institute in Austin, Texas, sometime this summer, and shortly thereafter, Claire is being recognized. For sustainability by Tales of the Cocktail and traveling even more to pursue fine drinks and fine human interactions. So I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Claire Sprouse. And then Walters. And then next door to Walters. Across street from Mary Jane's was Silky's. Silky's, what was that? It was just this tiny dive bar that Pam owned. Mary Jane's, Walters, Silky's, and I saw like some crazy bands there. Really? And there was a place out on. There was a big the International Ballroom. I saw some bands. What? I saw Fugazi there when like I was in ballroom? high school. Which yeah. What year are you talking? Like two thousand, two thousand. Yeah. And. I don't know. I just went to any show. It didn't Did matter what it was because I was like, I'm sure it's good. It's <laughs> got to be good, right? Like, these venues are really good. Do you... All right. So, I've got to mourn a little bit. Do you miss Fugazi? Miss yeah. them touring? I miss them a lot, Yeah. Actually. I think... It's weird. I never go to shows. Not now? No. Why is that? I don't know. Well, you know what? I never got into downloading music. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just beyond my comprehension. Like, after Napster <laughs> went down, I was like, BitTorrents. I still don't even know what a BitTorrent is. And, I don't think anybody knows how they um, work. They're just like this thing. <laughs> what about Spotify? Do you use that? I just got Spotify. Yeah. I use Pandora, which is kind of dangerous. Pandora is kind of a fickle bitch. Yeah, but, it is. And you get to, like, great songs with shitty songs. Yeah, well, everything loops back to that one song about the school shooting. It's got, like, the... Which song? That... It sounds like a poppy dance song, but it's really about a school shooting. Oh, shit. I don't remember like, which all song Like, oh, the do, 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 Is it older or newer? No, it's, you would know the song okay, if okay. I played it. I can't remember what it's Maybe called. Maybe I didn't realize it was about a school Nobody shooting. does, because it's like, everybody's dancing. I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> um, so, Pandora loops everything back to that song. That's and Somehow that's the center of it? David Bowie for some reason, which is fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I stopped, I guess when I started bartending is unfortunately when i probably stopped like reading pitchfork it It went downhill though spending a lot of time at record stores and also when i moved to san francisco and lived in houston i would go to um i'd go to sound waves and that went down after bucky left oh really and well they got rid of like their they like downsized their vinyl to like three shelves i'm sure it's big again yeah. because well, it's, it's the only thing like, growing. You go to Urban Outfitters and they have a huge, nice vinyl selection. And Fugazi shirts there. Yeah. you know that? Oh, Super terrible. weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess when I moved to San Francisco, I also stopped going to record stores as much. Really? Because Amoeba's in San Francisco, right? Isn't that the, it is. the mecca? It's in like my least favorite neighborhood in San oh, Francisco. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like like my boyfriend Chad and my business partner, mm-hmm. he's really great because he has he remembers everything. Yeah. And Wait, he, isn't that isn't that bad when you're with someone like that though? They're like, no, no actually what I you remember said. like situational okay, things. Okay. He doesn't or have any concept of short term memory, but no. <laughs> he'll like he got his masters in art and then he knows like more than anybody I know, he knows the most about American whiskey. Oh, and right. um he just knows a lot and he remembers everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have a small shelf space <laughs> for information. <laughs> so I went to school for art history. And then, you know, when I was in the music, I was really into music. And I still 
know what I like. I feel like I've been listening to the same 10 records for like the last 10 years. But Would it um, give me a couple, because I love talking mm, about music. What are a couple of those records? I got really, really into power pop when I was younger. So like I like. I'm trying to get a good sense of like, I, mean. I don't know, like the Barracudas and the Undertones. Really? I'm not even familiar with these. Um, have you heard that song Teenage Kicks? Maybe. Probably. I mean, probably. Okay. Maybe I'll make you. Maybe yeah, I'll just exercise like, my see, well, music ability, my music uh, <laughs> sensibilities to make you a mix CD. Well, I, or, be, I don't do my computer. I realized the other day it doesn't even have a CD player <laughs> or it's like a disc drive it's, on it. Yeah, like, it's the hardest thing. Oh, I've, that's weird. Also, I'll send you a flash drive. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what people do now. You can well, so you can build a playlist on Spotify. This is the best. Okay, thing. I'll and do so that. So a couple guys like, do you know Jonathan Wingo by chance? Yeah. Yeah, wonderful dude. Our whole chat. So he was in town just pretty recently, and we started talking about music. And all of a sudden, I realized he's wearing a Saddle Creek shirt. And then we start talking about cursive and bright eyes, and then turned into us taking some space at box table and chatting for an hour and a half and doing an interview oh weird which is so rad because and so anyway so we're musical we're in a musical relationship so now he's on the road and he's like oh i got this playlist for you i'm like okay and so he'll send it on spotify oh cool perfect yeah i i should i should start doing that we're actually doing a bar that um if you ever have you ever been to japan yeah Okay, so in Tokyo, we went to all these bars that we call record bars. But okay. if you Google record bars, something completely weird pops I, up. Uh, but can't um, imagine talking about like it's a, Xanax it's not, or something. Yeah, right? it's like a club. And um, but these bars were like super cool, and they just had tons of records and like some guy playing like Brazilian pop from like the '60s, really? and everybody's drinking highballs and chain smoking and eating romantic about that delicious snacks everywhere yeah. and also if you google snacks japan it's something completely different <laughs> shows up. um that's not those like <laughs> the, the machines where you can pay no, for certain items right no. uh, um and so um we're doing this bar in in san francisco and it's very much influenced by that yeah. but without trying to be cheesy or overly hipster because i feel like if i walked into a bar and i saw a bunch of records and record players oh, i'd be I'm like a, yeah. cool yeah. <laughs> so as you roll your to, eyes yeah, right? trying to find a balance of that yeah. but it's been nice because we've been it's made me think a lot more about music instead yeah. of just like hooking up pandora and things like that i feel like people don't take into consideration music in bars I, I as much as so. they should yeah. they just put on like tgif play Pandora station <laughs> and put it on and, and it all just ends up being death cab right like yeah emo exactly. 2000s right god last year when i was in houston when we were opening a place mm-hmm. um chad and i were doing um we would alternate so we weren't at the same bar at the same time but uh we would do a friday night at um nightingale okay yeah, yeah. and then we would and then one of us would be upstairs at Bad News Bar. Oh, and so cool. we worked, each worked one night a week at those bars while we were opening this restaurant. Because the opening got kept getting pushed back. And at Bad News Bar, they're like really into playing full albums, which so I think is cool. Finish? That's amazing, yeah. Um, but one of the bartenders there like really loved Death Cab for Cutie. And it'd be like <laughs> Friday night, we're just so slammed. <laughs> and no, sl- he was playing the Postal Service. Oh, and I was like, like <laughs> what is, ha- like, this is making it worse and <laughs> i'm already busy and like stressed out now you're making me sad yeah like everybody exactly. is sad you're it's totally right because in a way it just subconsciously and consciously influences the way we drink so we're already getting depressed mm-hmm. so fucking alcohol is. and then you put on some ben gibbard vocals yeah I'm like <laughs> my existence really isn't what i thought it was no. this is not as good um Ryan uh, Fitzgerald, I opened ABV in San Francisco, and I still pick up from time to time there, like one or two times a month. Mm -hmm. And he is, he DJs like speed rack vinyls, and he he loves to play music, he loves music, and um, a lot of his job as MOD, I feel like, is... DJ DJ OD <laughs> like on his phone through Sonos <laughs> because he has like all these playlists all these songs on his phone and it's amazing because it yeah. like it just follows the tempo of the bar it's and knowing your if, customers yeah right? and what? if we're like it's boring in here we need to step it up he'll like put on a song and then all of a sudden like it's like okay now it feels like Friday night I lost talent like when you think about it well mm-hmm. so the thing you know it's interesting so I found out that your brother works at half so you're a yes. Texas 
rural Texas family, I guess. Mm-hmm. So were you born in Humble, like you were saying? No. It's, it's Humble, but or Umble, whatever. Humble. Humble. We're okay. so Humble, we don't pronounce the H. <laughs> we just it's forgo the, the H. I like it. I like that a lot. Um, I actually was born um, in Eagle Pass, just okay. south of Del Rio on the border. Oh, shit. Okay. Super border town. And then spent a lot of my like childhood in Midland, Odessa, mm-hmm. like Friday Night Lights land. Yeah, yeah. And then um, a little bit back down on the border in Laredo, like back when you could, as a 10-year-old, I could walk across the border and grab some tacos and walk back. Um, And then we moved to Humble when I was in high school. What uh, what took, took, was it your parents' Uh, little family? We had some relatives there. Oh, I see. And I think my mom was working there, my dad. Um, What kind of industries were they in? My dad was in broadcasting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned um, yeah. He did, and he did minor league baseball play-by-play for a oh, while. Amazing. Yeah, and he has a online radio show, I think. Does he really? I think so. Or he used to do, like, play. He started a company that would go to high schools and mm. do play-by-play. Like a professional level play-by-play? Yeah, so and cool. then, you know, people would download it. Yeah. I couldn't be there. Um, and then my mom's a nurse. Really? Uh, she came over from the Philippines mm-hmm. um, as a nurse, and now she's like super nurse. Super so nurse. <laughs> she's getting like her doctorate, and she works for the best companies and um, does a lot of consulting. Did, so and I've got to ask: like, Did your folks meet in the Philippines, or was your mom already over here? They met in Texas. Yeah. Um, my mom called into the radio station and invited. Um, knew somebody else working there, but yeah. also um, invited my dad to a party. That's amazing. You yeah, know, that's almost sleepless sweet. in Seattle-ish. It, is. <laughs> it kind of is. It's They're very bad. sweet. That's they, great. Um, they drove up yesterday from Houston to have dinner with my brother and I. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, but I lived in Humble. I moved into Houston just 30 minutes south um, when I was 17 because yeah. I graduated a year early and then uh, went to University of Houston. So what were you studying at UVA? Art history. Oh, so did this? Well, of several things and then eventually art history. Did you finish up in art history? I did, yeah. Um, what a, I love love art. What Any particular time frame or region that you liked? Um, well, I actually doubled in art history and anthropology. So mm. at first it was focusing, well, weirdly I started on focusing like 17th century Dutch painting, which was, was a very Rem- Are we talking Rembrandt or Rembrandt's later maybe? Yeah, he's a little later, okay. but just very concise yeah. um, category. And then um, I had this amazing design uh, professor mm. and um, she would teach classes on like the history of design. Um, uh, like kind of functional design? Like um, stuff, everything. Right? Oh, so like from art to architecture to industrial and... Um, you know, starting with like, or, you know, going all the way back to like Art Nouveau and, um, to Italian design, to mid-century design, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. And, but what I ended up studying the most was because I was doing anthropology and archaeology, um, and the main focus of archaeology in the Gulf is, um, usually like old plantation sites. Oh, really? Yeah. Why would... Just because they're preserved and there's... Well, because that's like the older, oldest buildings. I see, okay. For the most part. Um, like through East Texas and Louisiana, mm-hmm. there's... Um, for some reason, my professors w- were focused on like African diaspora. Okay. So like the movement oh, of African right, mo- people yeah, yeah. through the Caribbean and then through the South because of slavery. Um, so in a weird way, I feel like because if you think about like the cane spirit industry and yeah. how intrinsically tied it is to slavery, slavery. Yeah. i feel like i was i was studying rum <laughs> but not knowing it yet in, right? yeah, yeah in college and then um yeah i did museum and gallery work for a little bit and the, in the houston in houston like i worked i did some stuff with diverse works and wow. like the photography museum and um i was ready to pursue that full time yeah. and I don't know. I kind of got a little burnt out immediately on that the whole scene. Like, mm. and it's hard to get those jobs. If I understand, it's super like, hard to get those jobs. I was lucky because I had lived in the city since I was seventeen, yeah. and I had been going to shows since I was like fourteen, Good and so I knew all those like 
artsy Montrose neighborhood people yeah. and <laughs> don't um, google or don't google that no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um and so i was a regular at a bar called big star in the mm-hmm. heights and then uh brad moore owned that bar and he now owns several bars with um our friend ryan rouse mm-hmm. um he owns grand prize they're partners at bad news they have the tiki bar Ooh. all these places What's a tiki bar called lalo oh, okay. it's up in the heights and Ryan at the time, um, Bobby had just left a restaurant called Beavers <laughs> to open Anvil. It's like a fancy barbecue restaurant. What, uh, what year are we talking? 2009, okay. I guess. So, when, so let's talk about Houston for a moment, right? Because I worked in, worked in Houston, but mm-hmm. lived in Katie and graduated there and then kind of trekked out. Went to HCC for a bit, but Houston wasn't that cool from no, a culinary No, Houston was not all. cool. It's Houston was always like a underdog city mm-hmm. and there was never any influx of people unless there were people coming in for like grad programs because we actually have like really great grad yeah schools. academia is great you know yeah but, but exactly. beyond that like it's that was the thing when you talk about the music that to me that was only the only centralizing thread in yeah. that whole city and that like, was very that was you know when we were coming up that mm-hmm. happened and the whole reason hands up houston formed was because bands would skip houston and just go to Austin or Dallas or even San Antonio, which is preposterous. Yes, and <laughs> not not now, but like yeah, then, you totally. Know. And um, and so I felt like if you stayed in Houston, um, like I did, you became part of this community yeah. that, and all those people that stayed there, like really fought to make Houston cool. That's that's so great. Where all the you know I had friends making shirts that said "fuck you, Houston rules," yeah. and um, those, do you and have Austin, one of those shirts? Still? Austin drools buttons <laughs> passed around at shows, and there was a huge rivalry. Everybody hated Austin. That's crazy. And I didn't even realize this. I must have oh, laughed. Yeah. I must have laughed. We hated it was like Austin. 2001, I think. <laughs> or no, 2000. Yeah. Okay. Austin. Well, we we like so it's we're in a much better place diplomatically <laughs> now. Austin loves yeah. Houston. And I hope vice versa. Exactly. And then we all just hate Dallas. That's now. <laughs> totally right. I hate you know. I feel bad for like Brian McCullough and Michael uh, Marsden, all those actually, dudes. Actually, Dallas is really fun. It can um, be fun. <laughs> I haven't been in a while, but last time I was there, I was really blown away by how great everybody was. A lot of progress, honestly, like in terms mm-hmm. of what I felt about Houston when I was there in the early 2000s. Like I feel about Dallas now, but it's like on the cusp. Yeah. I think probably because there's a similar amount of people. Mm-hmm. Like fuck you, Austin. <laughs> Dallas, another movement. Yeah. But so, like being a patron of these bars, I find that there's a lot of very common threads with a lot of people I talk to, and they're they're rooted in the arts. They're rooted mm-hmm. in music specifically. They follow for love. That's another very common theme, right? But you, did you see food and, and drink is art? It has the same kind of it's the same kind of culmination and balance of color, but in this case, flavor, mm-hmm. balance of shapes and things. So, as a patron, did you start getting interested in the art that is cocktails or the art that is spirits um definitely i think you know right before i kind of dived into that world it was when i really started like going to restaurants more yeah. and you know i had like a real job and um so what was that first well two things one did filipino cuisine is great did your mom good. cook a bit no no she, oh, was, she was like double time Work, nurse. just working yeah. all the time so I'm, so I'm like a product yourself, right? of like McDonald's and <laughs> um, TV dinner culture and mm-hmm. yeah, not good food at all. Uh, when she does cook, it's very good. I but bet, she yeah. just hustled and worked really hard yeah. to help put my brother and I through school. And um, so no cooking at home, no, none yeah, at all. Interesting. So yeah. you had you. So basically, you're the one that has to bring all of it. You've got to be the one exposed to it and then make your own. You know, because you got no background, no muscle memory to it. No, exactly. Yeah, I still don't really cook. I got a little bit into it, but it's hard to cook for one. And also, (laughs) when you when I started working at bars and restaurants, like the last thing I want to do on my two nights off a week is yeah make a mess in my kitchen and have to clean it up without a dishwasher. Um, not a person dishwasher, but like an actual oh, okay. dishwasher. Okay, I thought you'd be like, "Well, I don't have a bar back at home. Yeah. I don't have a kitchen back. How am I going to do any of this shit? I'm going to keep it straight." Um, well, so yeah. was it a good? Did you? What was that first gig then when you stepped? Um, so I, you know, I just quit my gallery job. I was um, looking for something. I was at a 
big star after hours for mm. some reason yeah. and um, was talking with Ryan, who is bar managing at Beavers and one of the floor managers there and um, asked for a job and they hired me as a server and I really had no food uh, serving experience and um, started working there. And I think one night Ryan made me an aviation mm-hmm. And I was just so blown away yeah. by this cocktail. It's the Ziggy Stardust of drinks. Yeah, but strangely, I don't really like aviations anymore. I but <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's good when you don't when it, it's because it's so exotic tasting at first, mm-hmm. and then you realize totally. like not exotic in the the great a great way. It just piques your interest. Yes, it's kind of like and I, I talk about film a lot, but I presume that you love film and art and all of that. But it's like it's like Rothko in a way or Twombly, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking nuts. And yeah, at first when you see it. It's very dynamic. Totally. So many colors. So there's a newness to it. Mm-hmm. But then, first one, amazing. Second one, oh, this is great too. Like Burnett Newman. These, these, these guys are just like non, non or objective, I guess. And then by the fifth one, like, yes. fuck, man. <laughs> like you're just scribbling on this this canvas, you know? So it, it changes, right? It does. And yeah, I definitely don't drink aviations anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. And for a while, I didn't even like touch maraschino because oh, yeah. I was like so, so burned out from those beginning years where all you want to do is drink aviations right. and last words and all those and Lafroy projects, all these great sure. cocktails that are just so wacky. And now I'm like, oh, I just want like a cognac and soda highball. Yeah, like some nice, <laughs> something, something very nice. simple. Yeah. Um, Did you like the people part of it, like being a waitress? Yeah, yeah, I did. I actually, you know, I had worked a little bit in retail and I think that helped me kind you. of be able to talk to strangers. Mm-hmm. And my brother actually, when before he worked at Half Step, he had pretty limited uh, restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. And he called me one day and he's like, hey, can you help me find a job um, in the bar restaurant world in Austin because I want to get better at like talking to people and I was like this is the sweetest most thoughtful thing a 19 year old has ever said and so I got him a job at Half Step um brilliant threw him to the wolves and (laughs) (laughs) you you treated the most like elegant and nice gentle moment with ferocity exactly (laughs) um but as a server I feel like um I got to know food a lot better and then I you know, after that aviation, I was hooked and I begged my, I begged Ryan to let me start working behind the bar. So yeah. I started as a bar back, um, worked my way up, um, was fortunate or not fortunate not enough to be in that position for a while to kind of really learn because like one day a bartender didn't show up and they're like, you're a bartender now. There and I was know. like, what? <laughs> like the VP just kind of yeah. stepped in. Yeah. And then Ryan left to go open grand prize with Brad and they're like, guess what? You're the bar manager. And <laughs> Did you, I, were you ready for it at that point? No, I no. wasn't ready. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything. You know, I, you think you know a lot when you're, of course, uh, when you're starting out and I won like the, Bombay Sapphire competition. Oh, really? It was like my first competition and won it for Texas. I think it was like regional at that time. Wow. And I did pretty well when we went to Vegas. And so I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't. Yeah. And so our scotch selection there was so pitiful. It was like McAllen 12 and then Pete Monster, Sheep Dip, and Pig's Nose. Mm-hmm. And I only bought those because I really like the names. Oh, oh yeah. Well, the artwork's <laughs> not bad either, right? And it turns out they're actually some very delicious yeah. whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but not a super rounded out uh, selection. Yeah. But it would, you know, it was a lot of me going to Anvil and asking Kevin, uh, Bobby's partner there, you know, where do I order glassware from? Yeah. Or who do I talk to? And trying not stuff, to... Yeah, and all those things that you should be trained on, but I never got the chance to because it all happened so abruptly. So mm-hmm. I had to learn everything the hard way, um, which is probably why I kind of baby our bar managers at some of our <laughs> projects. But and, you know, it's interesting. It seems like they knew when you didn't know, right? They knew you were ready, but you're like, I'm not ready. Like, you're mm-hmm. ready. Yeah. And so that's that's actually very a, a good testament to it is talented I, you are, I, I suppose, but maybe humble too. Or I, sorry, humble. You're very humble. Humble, <laughs> exactly. I think um, one thing that I is my downfall is I'm usually one of the more responsible people in the room. How is that <laughs> so, your downfall? Uh, well, because people recognize that, and then you get more responsibility. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, so 
I'm, I'm glad I got the opportunity. It completely changed my life. Yeah. Um, I learned everything the hard way, um, which but was also good. But you would never good. trade it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but I think what I was really, why I ended up in San Francisco, I was really thirsty for, um, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to stay in Texas my entire life. I and thought so I was, might come, I, you know, I might come back eventually, but I just wanted to work in somewhere else. It, at the time, was a very tight-knit culture. It was yeah. like, the grand prize guys, and then it was the anvil guys. And right. those were like the only two ways you knew how to do things yeah. because you either came from those two very small schools and they more or less came out of each other in the first place. So, so somewhat incestuous, much exactly. like Austin music. Is everywhere, inc- everywhere yeah. typically. But so I ended up in San Francisco. I Would put... You, why is it dart in the wall? I mean, San Francisco is a lovely place. Um, I picked it? a handful of cities um, that I liked and that I thought had a strong culture of like mentorship, like people that were there seemed like a lot was happening and there was a lot of things and people to learn from. Right. What year Um, are we talking that you went down there? This was 2011, I think. Yeah, it'll be my five-year San Fran anniversary. San Fran Oh, yeah, you said um, In August. And um, so I sent an email out to a friend, a person I knew in San Francisco, um, somebody in Portland, somebody in New York, and somebody in Miami because I was toying with doing grad school. Oh, um, I see. Okay. And, same, same field in art mm-hmm. history as well and design. And uh, the next day, my friend called me and said if I could be in San Francisco in eight days, I had a job at Rick House. Um, yeah, I've heard of that place. Yeah. And <laughs> Did you I, have like any idea what you were getting into, like stepping into what was like a, uh, a global a global stage, I would say. Um, not really. I mean, I did sort of at that point. I had I was really involved with USBG. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby and Alba and our friend Mike helped start USBG the USBG chapter in Houston. Oh wow! Um, and we had just had our first uh, leadership conference, mm-hmm. and so I met all these people. And then I had done that Bombay Sapphire competition and met a lot of people, and. Um, I'd been to Tales twice, oh. and See, my the, mind was the blown. resume is like building, right? Yeah, exactly. And I was just so floored by all these things happening. And at the time, I the only bars outside of Texas I had been to, I'd been to a handful in San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, New Orleans, and then a few in New York. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, I felt like I had so much to learn. Well, so this is an interesting point then, too. So you've got what on most pieces of paper would be a fair amount of academic background, right? Like you could get a job probably, and given there's a lot of competition and stuff, but you could get a job, right? You got the, the degree, you're even thinking about pursuing masters, but there's something beyond maybe the creative piece of it, but there's, there's no ceiling to this industry for one. It is actually very lucrative. Was there a point where like, okay, well, maybe this concept of a career is turning into something in the hospitality realm? Yeah, I think, at that point, I i mean, I didn't even think about it in that way. I was oh, just I like, see, yeah. this is what I'm doing. Like, there was no like, <laughs> oh, this is something I can take seriously. Are you build, an impetuous person? Build you, like, upon just, like... <laughs> for my future. I think about that now. I see. But at the time, I was like, I, I am completely 110% into this. Yeah. And this is, I can't do anything else ever again. And Amazing. You so, fell in love. Yeah, apparently. I just felt very passionate about it. Um, I had built a really good... Um, good base of regulars mm. at the bar I was at in Houston and that really helped. Um, so it wasn't so much about learning how to manage and it wasn't so much about making good cocktails, but I learned at that place a lot about hospitality mm. and um, being part of a community or how the bar and the restaurant can be a part of a community. Yeah. And so that really affected me. We talk about cult. I mean, again, like it's really not that different than studying the impacts of design and culture and how that affects. I mean, you're entrenched in this community. Mm-hmm. You're designing drinks, I guess, for lack of a better. Yeah, better exactly. Term, you know? And there's something about um, the spirits world, cocktail world, that um, definitely it helps to have a degree in art history yeah. um, because so much of it is. It's more or less like when I talk about gin, it's more or less a history lesson. Yeah, for sure. You know, I talk about 
um, what was happening in England and Holland and mm-hmm. Europe at that time. And social so every, schisms, I guess, right? We exactly. About old and that, yeah. And so all of that, when I do those lectures or, you know, train staff, it's, they're just history lessons. So it, it, you're right back where you started yeah, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> it's just a different venue. Exactly. Same content, right? Mm-hmm. How was the Rick House experience? It was great. I was terrified. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I had eight days to be there. I found a sublet. I sold all my stuff. Mm-hmm. I threw a really big party. And it burned I, the place down, <laughs> and then I was on my way. We, it was bad. Um, <laughs> did we, you like your landlord at that spot? I did, but we had a pool, oh, and it was just this little duplex, and I brought down all the bottles I had in oh, my man. apartment. I just remember getting a text message from my landlord the next morning, and it was he had a big no glass roll near oh, the shit. pool yeah. and it was just the empty tequila ocho bottle floating in the oh, pool. My God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sorry, I'm out of here. Um, yeah. And I got a plane and on a plane and I flew to San Francisco and I uh, was lucky enough. Miraculously, I had no idea how expensive it was. I had yeah. no idea what I was doing in the first place. And, but I was able to find an apartment. Um, I started at Rick house. I was super scared because it had, it was just this place that, at the, especially at that time, was getting a lot of recognition. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of great people that worked there. Um, it was super high volume. And, and high quality, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, I think, one of the like the first places that was really doing those huge numbers and packing them in. And yeah. it, you walk in, and it's I call it businessmen gone wild because it's in the <laughs> financial district. Oh, and, God. Like, that, do you like the... No, it's not all right. It's not a matter of liking those guys, but there is that is a kind of guy, isn't it? It's a kind of guy <laughs> and girl. Um, oh, fair, fair, fair. And I don't know. I actually kind of prefer it almost because really? I don't know. It's like very straightforward mm. needs, and I have That's a good. product to provide. Yeah. And um, I feel like when I work at other places, I have a lot more like challenging. Um, guests that come in so like maybe like you know i love foodies and cocktail nerds because they're the people that are like really supporting businesses but it's you know you get those people that just want to like play stump the bartender Uh, and ego game yeah and when you know at 501 at rick house you'd have like 50 people just bust through the doors and order like old fashions and whiskey i really got to expand my whiskey knowledge there and it was just it was just on from minute one, and so it's good to be transactional. Like I want this, this, blah, no questions. It's like yeah, and yeah. It, well, you know, they did have questions, especially with such a huge selection yeah. as that, and the way it was presented, these giant sweeping walls that reached to the tops of the ceilings with all these bottles, and um, so it was a good practice in being able to transfer information to a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, in like five seconds or less. Um, so when we were hiring, whenever we hired at Rick House and I was a manager there, I would tell people that like, I need you to be able to tell me about a whiskey and convey like friendliness and hospitality yeah. in five seconds or less. And gr- like yeah. if I can't tell you're like a wonderful, fun person mm-hmm. by your smile, if you can't make a guest feel that way, then yeah. this isn't the bar for you. This isn't okay. necessarily the bar where you get to make best friends with a guest or win them over because it's just turn and burn. That's right. And it was really fun. It's rowdy. And I got to like wear suspenders, which really, is there an out? Did you guys have the outfit? Quote unquote. We did have the outfit. Did you ever have a mustache? Still kind of, (laughs) 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 Um, they still kind of have a, I think rock the outfits quite a bit, but it was cool. You know, at the time I had just left Houston. I had only worked at like dive. I worked at my friend's dive bar I worked at Beavers, which was not, it was a fancy restaurant, right, right. barbecue restaurant. It wasn't bow ties and suspenders. And so when I started Rick House, I was like, this is what I've heard cocktail bars are like. This is totally the changed cocktail it, right? bar in my head, like where you wear suspenders and you make drinks really fast so, and there's beautiful garnishes. And this is what, so, you know, it's funny. I was, I had a conversation the other day and this is a slight tangent, but really related to that. So people romanticize Paris. Right, they really do. So it's like, oh, this is. I read, I watched all these Audrey Hepburn movies. I like Jules A. Jim and all the guys, like all the French New Wave. And then you go 
and you finally get to see it and you get to smell it. And either that's an amazing thing because you've been idolizing it in a sense or romanticizing or it's a horrible thing. And I heard that this is kind of to contrast what is the the perfect example, maybe the the prototypical example of a great cocktail bar in Rick House. But I hear that if it's not meeting your expectations, like it has a terrible psychological yeah, effect on you. It does. And I, you know, in my lecture, my seminar, I talk a lot about how press and recognition, it's, uh, you know, it's can be, it just means higher expectations right. from people. And so if you can't deliver on all of that, it, it's really disappointing. And it hurts your own feelings. I mean, yeah. we, got fe- we all got feelings. Yeah. You know? we, I, sometimes <laughs> we don't talk about that. We're like, oh, it's money in, money out. It's transaction. Mm-hmm. Not where, like, you talk about the smile bit. There's the natural inherent warmth that we all kind of have. And I think that's a wonderful thread in the industry that people that have these, just, I mean, they're fucking cool. They really got good personalities. So how long were you at Rick House then? I was there for over a year. Mm. And then I almost, we, the company owned Bourbon and Branch. Okay. And then they were opening a few other bars. And then I went over to a bar called Tradition that we had just opened. Yeah. And I was the GM there. Um, were you ready that time? Did you feel like you were ready? I did feel like I was more ready. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever be complete. I, I feel <laughs> like I've learned a lot and I have a good bank of information and systems. Yeah. But I, every single bar restaurant that I step into i feel like i learned something from just, yeah, and it you're just keeps another... adding to that absolutely but i did feel a little bit more prepared um san francisco is a whole new beast from texas yeah. so at that point i'd already been through the ringer at rick house and tradition was great uh i wasn't i was there for a fair amount of time um but i had an opportunity to go travel through asia yeah what what brought you to or which part? Uh, my parent, uh, my parents were going to the Philippines, oh, cool. and I had never met any of my family um, Your mom's on my mother's still side. Live over there, I guess they do. Yeah. Um, entire family, and so I went to I put in like I don't know something ridiculous like a two months notice because I don't think I like really ever quit anywhere. <laughs> and <laughs> you had like um, a, a gentleman's agreement. Yes, <laughs> and um, I. Played that out. I went to Tails that year, mm-hmm. and then I got on a plane and went straight to the Philippines. It was like last night of Tails, straight onto a six a.m. Mm. flight. I and then I spent the next month drying out in the Philippines in oh, the middle of July. Oh, it's in, the worst. Yeah, in Southeast Asia, and um, got walked off the plane, met thirty relatives, That's and amazing. yeah, it was beautiful. Um, it was it was a pretty special time. How long did you stay in the Philippines? Um, about a month. Wow. Uh, we were on this small island, um, and I just really hung out with my family, and it was That's nice cool. because at so much of my time, the la- the few years before that had been spent like going to restaurants and going to check out this bar program yeah. and do this, and there's none of that there, and so yeah, it was a complete amazing. like break from all of that, and there wasn't really internet and. You know, like two days of the week, there was no electricity because they have rolling brownouts there, and wow. it was very different. But the good though, enriching, I imagine. In its Definitely, own way, right? yeah. Um, and then we, my brother and I, went to Bangkok, um, which is really funny because we had like ten hours to kill in Manila, and I, there, <laughs> I heard of one cocktail bar there. There is one, and, okay. Yeah, well, I think there's a few now, a handful, and. Um, but it was called the Blind Pig, and I was trying to call to see if they were open, mm. and it was like reservation only, and nobody was picking up. I was like, "This is so obnoxious!" And yeah. even though I just left a company that's known for the reservation right. only, <laughs> uh, but I'll make it. I'll make it back there one day. Um, oh, so you didn't ever get to go? No, we never left the, the airport. Phone. No, oh. um, I did meet a really cool guy at the airport that um, I have a from my. A remnant of my youth. Mm-hmm. I have a band tattoo, and we oh. ended up talking about music. Which band and, tattoo is it? Um, it's my little black flag. Oh, it is tattoo. a black flag. T- oh, how um, do you feel about them like trying to relive the days and getting back? I to have no feelings towards <laughs> any of that. Um, <laughs> all of those types of things. Yeah. Um, the only the only tours I care about now are like Beyonce. Strangely, really? <laughs> oh man! Um, but I'm trying to get. You back. got like old, you man. Said, you got. Try- <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Um, I'm trying to get back into music. But uh, we went to Bangkok. 
Um, my boyfriend Chad met me in Vietnam. We Where spent did you some guys time meet there. in San Francisco? We actually met at Camp Runamuck no the kidding. first year. Yeah, I heard that it's a place to meet. It is a place to, <laughs> to, to get establish drunk true friendships and um, loverships. Um, we actually, he was in Boston at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was running some bars uh, with our friend Joy, um, Citizen, and the Franklin, and oh yeah, all these cool spots. And um, I was in San Francisco, obviously, and we met at. Camp Runamuck the very first year. That's the only year I went. Mm. And um, we be, were friends. Sure, sure. There was no um, sneaking away into the woods. Um, <laughs> no running amuck. No running amuck. Um, and then he ended up moving to San Francisco to help open Trick Dog. Oh, really? And um, was that, Did you have anything to do with that? Or that was just happenstance before you no, guys started? No, I would say that uh, I known josh and scott before i moved to san francisco um we had been when i was still in texas i went to mexico with david suro Mm -hmm. um who is the most magical human being in the world and um josh and scott were on our trip with tomas who's wonderful as well and (laughs) um and i met josh and a couple other people at a domain the cantone competition Mm. in saint martin and we have matching buddy tattoos. I like it because it's so strategically placed on yeah, your middle finger as to show me. Spoon on my middle finger. Um, that was like the year of buddy tattoos. I have a lot I of like those. <laughs> um, and so I knew those guys. Um, I knew that they were opening Trick Dog. And then they brought in, I wouldn't say brought in, but a lot of people were very enchanted with the idea of Trick trick dog um rightfully so and so like chad moved across the country to help to be a part of this new bar and our friend matthias uh moved from milwaukee our friend peter moved from houston so it's like and just rallied people from yeah i mean and then a few people from uh san francisco the city yeah and um but matthias and peter more or less, were living in my living room at the time. In San Francisco? And, yeah. And I guess because they were new in town, didn't have a place to crash. Exactly. Like, yeah. Super expensive. And then the day Chad pulled up, he ended up, he asked me to stay, uh, asked to stay at my apartment. And I was uh, like, cool, well, I have, a, <laughs> I have a couch, but that's taken. And uh, there's a blow-up mattress, but that's taken. It's like, you can sleep in my bed, but don't touch me. Oh, <laughs> man. That's how uh, all romances start. Right? No, no. Um, <laughs> we started dating like a couple months later. No, um, I'm, I'm sure the purest of intents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and- but so, you, so he meets up rendezvous with you guys in, in, in Bangkok, you said? Or were you out uh, of Bangkok? He met up with me. Uh, my brother went home at that time. We He met up with me in Vietnam. Oh, okay. And that was like our first trip together. It's amazing. And then, Good place to go, too. Yeah, amazing. I went to Singapore for a couple days after Love that Singapore. and did a guest bartending shift at tw- did, 28 Hong, Hong Kong. Hong Kong Street. That's yeah. An, what do you think of that bar? It's really like, cool. Amazing, right? Singapore is a very very cool city would you ever imagine that like such a small place and where there's just these nestled bars that nobody knows about that it would be that great like it's, this it's amazing well my old so my first manager at rick house um he had actually moved there to and he was the gm at the time really and so i was connected to them because of that and they've done so much uh in singapore and in asia in general yeah I'm super jealous of all the things that they accomplished. <laughs> don't ever be and jealous I'm, of the weather, though. It's no, so, I don't. So I have really curly hair, so that's not that's <laughs> that not frizz for factor me. is yeah. that what I hear? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I got back to the states, I flew back into Texas, and I ended up because I didn't have a job, and I didn't. I don't know. I just had this big traveling bug. Mm. I borrowed my brother's car, and I did a two month road trip around the country. This is um, probably the longest sabbatical I've ever I heard know. of. Someone, People are very, like, are you brilliant. secretly rich? I'm like, no, I just eat a lot of shitty drive through food. <laughs> See, that's where nostalgia comes back. The fast food dinner. Exactly. Childhood, right? It uh, built me to... Uh, <laughs> built you to last. Um, yeah, and so I drove for forever. It felt like it was one of just the hardest drive, things I did. So I did... I was trying to stage or guest bartender or whatever mm-hmm. um, in any in cities all over the um, country yeah. that I could pass through, and still kind of trying to feed that 
I don't know, idea of like mentoring or like absorbing everybody's Which is the opposite, info. right? You want, to, it, in, you want to give people info, but also take it in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when I moved to San Francisco, I moved there because I was like, oh, I want to learn. And then I immediately became like bar manager at Rick House. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, the, like, here I am again. And yeah. so I was just like hungry to have it, to see things still and to That's what learn happens from when other you're people. stuck and in Texas for 17 years. I know. It, it is. Pins you up. You exactly. Made, you eventually made your way back to San Fran though? I did. Um Two months driving around the country, um, being behind lots of bars, getting drunk in lots of cities. A lot of people <laughs> took very good care of me. Um, right. And then I made my way to back to Texas and then to Portland Cocktail Week mm-hmm. and then back down to San Francisco. Which year are we talking about Portland Cocktail Week? This was 2013, 13? I think. Yeah, I, was, yeah. Uh, I saw you there. I remember yeah. I had... Because I we... Touched on Houston, which you you go and you you're randomly in Portland, not you necessarily, but so a person's randomly in Portland. Like, oh, you know about the Heights, you yes. know about River. Oaks. I have lots of Houston love. That's so. Crazy. Um, I think that every well, Chad always jokes the one thing that people from Texas love the most is talking about Texas, <laughs> and we hate it when we're here, but when we're yeah. gone, it's. Perfect. I I have a lot of Houston love, yeah. and I'm so impressed with how the city's kind of grown and mm. people. I think all those amazing things were more or less there or the foundations were there. Yeah. And now there's this huge booming um, influx of people moving there and everybody's bummed out, you know. It was that, so much. Yeah, you know gentrification. Right. I'm like, okay, you can't have a, like hide a good, you can't, a good thing yeah, for too every long good before thing gets people discovered. start recognizing it. Yeah, yeah. every great brand, get, they, they have to like sell out, quote unquote. They've got to reach a bigger audience. But that's for the betterment of the world really you know but the thing that this is very interesting and i wonder if the same thing's happening in houston which i'm sure it is so austin like okay i've been in austin 16 years now quite a while longest i've ever lived anywhere um so i guess when i hit 17 i'll be ready to go drive for two months <laughs> around the country we'll see we'll see what my wife thinks about that she's like uh oh, you got a job <laughs> all this but we are like fuck you dallas do not move do not dallas or austin right mm-hmm. and so i don't feel that way right i love uh, people are great most of them and they better the community. There's more art. There's more just uh, diversity, which is great. Mm-hmm. But do you notice that the most the people that are the most vocal about this up this upheaval with people moving in have been in the cities less than like two years? Yeah, totally. Isn't that crazy? It's, How do they get to do that? I've never. Yeah, I have. There's all these new apartment complexes, mm-hmm. and all these people have moved into this into Houston, especially and. They're all complaining about more apartment complexes yeah. being built. And <laughs> the one, because you moved into the first wave, like your the second wave is all so different. Like, mm-hmm. it's very weird. Why do you think people, what do you think it is about people and culture that is so resistant to newcomers? I think that it's with everything. Like, people want to be in the know and they want to be the only person in the know. And so it's like with a band. And right you know, oh, they were good before everybody else heard them. I'm like, did they stop being good or are you just Did you just start a being snob? a dick? Yeah, exactly. It totally, it totally is like that. Um, everybody likes that. But I'm how do you, still guilty of that Some from time to time. Are you? I, uh, you know, I have like the, the opposite reaction to it, actually. And that is the, so basically like Arcade Fire, when they came out, they <laughs> sold out emos. They did a really, really big, and I was like, I'm not going to listen to arms are crossed right now i'm not listening to the arcade fire because everybody's listening to the arcade fire <laughs> give it like three years now it's like oh man suburbs one of the greatest records ever <laughs> you know so it kind of happens like that so what you know kind of i would imagine is this most present chapter most recent chapter so you go from hospitality to bar bar backing to bartending to bar management but now it sounds like you're Going for the equity game, or the you're going to be opening up some new places, or already have? Um, you know, it's trying to find a good fit, and I don't know how or when it happened, but started consulting. Yeah. Um, which was the the crux of the presentation today? At yes. Constitute, right? Yes, that's what I presented on today, and um, Chad was doing some consulting with the Bon Vivants, mm-hmm. and I was doing some by myself, and. We decided to ultimately just do it together and um, that we would end up talking about all those ideas and yeah. we made each other better. That's incredible. And do you like 
working with the person that you love? I do. I think it's hard. Yeah. Somehow we do it really well. I think better than probably other people, strangely. Yeah. Um, Did you not expect that? Like, I that thought you could do it's it? hard. Yeah. I think I thought it would be harder. But um, it's not even so much that it's hard because we're like dating, but mm. um, we're lovers. Um, but that... <laughs> We're just very opinionated. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> we what happens very, when you're smart. Yeah, right? I guess. Uh, we're, we're very, uh, we have very strong feelings towards things. So when we first started, you know, we realized that we needed to streamline our classics. Yeah. Um, in my seminar today, I was like, I bet every single one of you, the 30 of you, have a different old-fashioned recipe. I bet. And that's the simplest cocktail to make. So we went through all like a hundred cocktails, and then we're just like arguing over daiquiri specs, and <laughs> it was it was pretty ridiculous. You know how nerdy of, a, of an argument that is? it was the worst. And See, but I think that's why it works, right? Like, <laughs> no, but it's this kind of sugar from this particular. Type yeah, of yeah. But it's okay to be like smug and kind of stuck up with each other because mm-hmm. it's loving, you know. Well, and we came from such different schools too, like the East Coast. Like Texas is its own thing yeah. because it just arose out of, um, you know, people like Bobby and people like Ryan mm-hmm. who were doing their own research and kind of establishing their own culture there. Right. and Putting a flag down in the middle of nowhere, basically. Exactly. And East Coast and West Coast styles are so completely different. I feel like East Coast is more about, um, about classic cocktails and especially like Boston, a place like that is... I always describe it as a city where like most places try to upstage each other with mm-hmm. like the best cocktail list. And I feel like Boston's one of those places where they try to upstage each other with hospitality. Ooh, that's They're not so like, bad. oh man, I did this amazing thing for this guest. And I, I, was, I let him borrow my car. He was drunk, <laughs> but he had to go. <laughs> that's a lovely uh, thought. I never even imagined. It's a really cool town. There's some really wonderful people that Boston's are there. Great, yeah. um, I learned a lot from from uh, that city. And when I was on my road trip, I got to stage at Drink and John oh, Gertson yeah. was there and my friend Will Thompson. And I learned the two days I was there, and Ezra, I, mm. the now um, GM there, um, I learned so much from just being behind that bar and bar backing. Yeah. And while, you you know, are a student of life. I can just yeah, see it, right? Like, um, it never, it's never going to end, is it? I hope not. Yeah. Um, I hope I, I mean, that's why I eat out all the time. I mean, other than I need to eat and I'm forever hungry, but um, I just like seeing what other people are doing and um, trying to see what works, what doesn't work. Um, But yeah, we're, we're consulting a lot and we're hopefully going to be partnering in on a new space Very that cool. we're working with. This, um, uh, the Japan concept you were talking about? A little, yeah. yeah. Or taking notes from that? Taking maybe? notes. Um, we are currently working with April Bloomfield's restaurant group. And so we have started with um, a restaurant they opened or kind of reinvigorated mm-hmm. uh, in San Francisco called Tosca. Um, it's a... Uh, business that's a bar 100 100 year old bar in a few years Uh, in 2019 the business will be 100 years old wow it's crazy and institution in san francisco and the business was about to go under and april and ken came in and um bought into it and turned it around and i always admired the job they did it's still like when you walked in the building um, it still retained its character, and yeah. they did a really, really nice job with that. And um, so that's the first program we've worked on with them, and we're trying to get another bar open with them that we'll be partnering in on. And um, consulting's really hard. I feel like my seminar is like 50, the first five minutes is introducing the seminar and the rest <laughs> of the five is it, is it setting is, expectations? So you give it, me, yeah, give me some tips because I got to present tomorrow. Well, and- I say it's like fifty-five minutes of just licking my wounds <laughs> in front of people, but I wanted to call my seminar lemonade. Um, <laughs> um, it's like it's it's psychoanalysis in a way. It's like, all right, guys, pull up the, the couch. Yeah. We're gonna sit here and talk about. Um, it's a lot of lessons learned. Yeah, it's, you know, there's no playbook for anything. There's no. That's the thing with like being a bar manager a few years ago there wasn't really a playbook for that necessarily not until like things like the bar institute and 
able to offer I, some sense of curriculum for people. That's kind of incredible. Yeah, thing this to is do. this would have been amazing a few years when <laughs> I first started bartending. Um, you had to do it yourself. Now you can yeah, impart your exactly. knowledge and your wisdom. Um, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but my seminar was mostly on like concepts and ideas and um i think starting out with that consulting doesn't necessarily have to be the next um step in everybody's career it's just like being an ambassador you know it's not right for everybody and it sounds really fancy but it's the hard definitely one of the hardest things i've ever done um and you win some you lose some but we somehow keep doing it even this job we've taken with April and Ken, I feel like is more or less a big consulting job. <laughs> um, but well, so you know, it's interesting. So I, I, I love again. I love talking to people, and I like that. So, for example, so I was was coming in, having to do, I'm going to do a few interviews here this week, and it's great being part of the bar institute stuff. And I was like, if I think about it too much, that I have to do two interviews today, one in the morning, and then go do a presentation. <clears throat> I'm going to get really fucking nervous and stressed out. So it seems like you're always just in the moment. You're not thinking so far ahead that you get inundated with what the future holds. I. Or is that not true? <laughs> is that not true? I, I think my go-to reaction is to do that, actually. Yeah. And then it's just part of this whole process has been realizing that you kind of just have to sit back and let things happen because restaurants, bars are so unpredictable. People are so unpredictable. Um, You never know how to, how things are going to end up working out. And so it's, I'm super OCD and I'm a total control freak. And so I I, I haven't, I had pegged a totally inverse, the exact opposite. I guess I I don't know. I swing really hard both ways. Like when it's funny, like my friend, Brad Moore, he calls me Rager Sprouse. <laughs> Rager? <laughs> yeah, and people are like, what? You don't. You seem like pretty subdued and pretty and meek and stuff right it's now. It's like, yeah, but sometimes I do. I like getting up really early and then sometimes I just, you know, I end up on a plane going to Key West or something like that out of nowhere. Are you the, the and, embodiment of Ernest Hemingway? Like as a, uh, a modern Ernest Hemingway? You just kind of go. Yeah, wherever. I don't know. I just... Fine. I get caught up in moments sometimes. That's amazing. Maybe it's because I I am like when I'm on the other end of that um, that swing, I try to be so concise and yeah. organized, and um, it's you know that's the luxury of this business. Mm. You want to play hard and work hard and it's a balance though. Yeah, you it is a balance. No, you can't. You won't and, have a career. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I spend a lot of my time emailing. Um, I'm responsible for. A lot of money, people's money, brand That's, money. How do you and feel about that? That's a kind of a big weight, isn't it? It is, but it's it's a challenge, and I find that invigorating. Yeah. Um, it's a huge challenge, but I have to like be on top of like emails and things like that. One thing I'm fairly good at is returning emails. Um, What's well, a sign of? Do you notice that successful people they're the ones that re- reply to email? But the people, oh, yeah. they're the always, and that's what makes them that way, I think, mm-hmm. is being very Well, it's so frustrating. And, you know, I've organized lots of events, and um, it's really hard when people don't get back to you. Yeah, um, yeah. So I try to, like, wake up every day at, like, even if I had a long night, I, will, I wake up at, like, usually 7 or 8 a.m. Wow, okay. Especially when we're in California, we're on uh, Pacific time, we're already behind. Yeah, a, yeah, in the two hours business sure. world. And so I try to, like, answer all my emails I got mm. and then go back to sleep for a couple hours. So at least I appear <laughs> more like, responsible than I am. Very concise with, like, bursts of time. I think that exactly. works. Exactly. Um, and then Chad always makes fun of me because I always have, like, my phone on me. But I just want to be on top get of it, things right? done yeah. fast and make it happen. I think that's great. And so, you know, part of one of the other themes of the show is that I always try to bring a bottle I think that you would enjoy. Or when people are at the house, they'll pick one off my shelf, you know. But I picked a Vago Tepestate, which was where apparently you hung out with Judah and Akalino. And this is coming from his Palenque. What do you think about this mezcal? You don't have to go into, like, detailed tasting notes, but how does it make you feel? Um, well, it definitely is helping with my hangover this yeah. morning. 
Um, Therapeutic. I feel agave. I think I like all categories of spirits. Um, and I think I'm more knowledgeable about some than mm. others. I would feel like agave is something I'm most, I have the most passion towards. Yeah, it's a brilliant thing. Um, when I was in Texas, you know, with Bobby Hugel being there and mm. being exposed to people like Tomas and David Suro and the Tequila Interchange Project, yeah. um, at a very early time in my bartending career, I was, I felt very moved by the the things that the that tip does um including you know not just protecting the uh culture and um traditional production methods of agave but also taking into consideration the people yeah that make it and well, there is that human toll to all of this ex- exactly i mean it's a the when you go to palenques in oaxaca and you see like the changes somebody like Ron Cooper has yeah. made on um, a family and an entire town. Ultimately, it's pretty life changing, and so um, that is one thing that like will never carry an agave, a spirit that I haven't personally seen made. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and we've you know at the same incidentally, time, I, I think you've seen this being made. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I haven't. Um, I haven't um, opened a tequila bar, yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. a little easier for me to say that. Um, They're trying to get some I of those bottles I'm, too, man. It's, it's yeah, awesome, you know? everything's getting more expensive too. And with, according, so we, according to Carlos Camarena too, he said it's with probably within two years, there will be a massive mezcal shortage. That's how soon. And that they're actually going, and I mean, I didn't mean to get on this tangent, but I think it's kind of important, especially like talking about mezcal, but that they're going to have to start going into Jalisco because mm-hmm. to take some of that, the agave, the, the, the blue agave, or the, uh, what do they call it, the azul, mm-hmm. up to make mezcal out of it. Because they're like, you guys took stuff from us. So we're, <laughs> yeah. That's how it went. And like, we're yeah. going to go take, so it's a big it's, crisis coming up. It is. And that's why I think like organizations like TIP are really important to kind of pay attention to what they're doing and um and then also supporting brands that make a difference or are doing it the right way um it's a really great example of how bartending's not just bartending and it's Mm. not just you know hospitality which is amazing um and it's not just a a profession that you can make a life out of but it's um, something that directly affects humans, humans yeah. and um, the way people make money in their uh, life ways. And, and so it's, we have the power to turn people on to brands and to get people to drink better products that have a direct effect on those people yeah. um, in that industry. And um, it's something I feel like it's, I won't, will not compromise on that. Yeah. Well, it's um, a, it's a very, influential we're in an interesting spot because we can influence people in a positive way and i'm not sure how that helps the scarcity issue unfortunately but i think we'll see how it kind of shakes up yeah so in like the remainder of the time that you're in awesome when are you leaving when are you going back um i was (laughs) (laughs) i was going to leave tomorrow and then go to houston and see some of my family and Mm. have some drinks there but then I might stay an extra day to float the river. Ah, uh, yes. Which, well, it's amazing right now, too. I don't know. So much water, Somebody yeah. um, invited me last night. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll find out. My my flight's out of Houston. Yeah. Nice thing about the Houston-Austin thing is that they're so close together. Yeah, and it wouldn't be the first time I took a Greyhound yeah. if I miss a ride. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll make my way down there eventually to catch my flight and see yeah. my family. Um and okay, then I go mean, back to San Francisco. I have a 7 a.m. flight out of Houston on Thursday. Uh, okay. And I have a meeting at noon Thursday in San Francisco. So You'll nail it. You'll do it. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, no, the mezcal just, will help if, in fact, you need. Exactly. Um, but it's great being in Austin. I get to, it's the last time I was here, I think, was during South by Southwest mm. in 2015. Oh, okay. Um, Chad and I worked at Half Step that entire week. Oh, amazing. And um, with Chris Bostick. Mm-hmm. 
and their whole crew and my brother, of course. Yeah, of course. And um, that was great, but we didn't really get to see the, the sites as much. So, and a lot has opened. Um, Josh Loving has opened a place, yeah, which I saw last for... night, which is Did like my new favorite bar. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Um, the, the Townsman. Townsman, yeah. Townsman. Um, that was great. Drink a lot of whiskey there last yeah. night. Oh, um, Yamazaki. That was the break-even bottle. Eighteen year last night. Which is yeah. Um, and then trying to eat as much queso as possible. You have to. And breakfast tacos. We don't have breakfast tacos in San Francisco. It's, it's absurd. To me. Yeah, it is. That we is don't have really queso. That's also absurd. But Texans yeah. like true Tex-Mex. Like, yeah, I believe it to us queso. to like kind of <laughs> take. A concept that in in essence is pretty natural and turn it into something that's incredibly unhealthy. Yeah, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, when I am in when I'm in San Francisco, sometimes I'll bartend at a place called the Hideout, which is this tiny bar. I actually worked there for two years, and mm. now I just occasionally cover shifts. I usually bring a crock pot with me. Oh, nice! And yeah. I'm like, come see me and get some queso. True and to just Texas. fills a room. Yeah, it's amazing. Bring a box of Elvito with you wherever you go. <laughs> people will come. The Julio's chips specifically. Which oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Claire, it's been really a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time out in the Bar Institute. And we have this melee around us of people learning and chatting and yelling. But it's great. Thanks for carving the time out. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think of Claire? Miss Claire Sprouse, early days of Houston. It's great getting to talk about emos, Mary Janes, Rudyards, get to talk about music. You know, I'm sorry that I keep finding ways to talk about music, but Claire now is in San Francisco working at ABV, also working some consulting gigs as well with the Tin Roof Drink Community, which was awarded a sustainability award from Tales of the Cocktail. Can't wait to see what's next. I think Claire alludes to a few spaces there in San Francisco that may bear her name and her concept in the near future. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. No matter how appalled and excited and invigorated by sports you are that the Cubs won the World Series last night, or if you're trying to make time to watch the new Ash vs. Evil Dead season, please keep dancing. <laughs>